Brand new year, brand new show. BetUS Boxing is back live for a Friday. Good to be with you. I'm the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. He is our insider from his Fight Freaks Unite Substack and BigFightWeekend.com. Hello and happy new year, Dan Rayfield. Uh, I joked last week I was not going to have to put up with you until next year. Here we and are. now it is next year. Here we are in 2024. Good to be back with you as we have a very intriguing main event, Golden Boy Promotions fight in Las Vegas to go over some other handicapping, some Q&A. How are you feeling in the new year? I'm good. I'm looking forward to what I hope is a big year. And, uh, you know, it's kind of unusual, TJ, most of the time when uh, the new year does start. You know, it takes a couple of weeks before you get fight cards, but they're kicking it off with the first weekend of the month, and here we go. Yeah, we are kicking it off as well. We're glad that you're with us. Again, we're here each and every week at 1 Eastern time, talking the sweet science, talking the boxing. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed down below. Our subscribers are up at the end of last year, and rightfully so, because we finished the year. Canelo Alvarez had a big pay-per-view, uh, the Benavidez uh, pay-per-view with Demetrius Andrade. We had the Day of Reckoning. Dan wanted that one more time in Saudi Arabia for pay-per-view. So there was a lot of interest, as you mentioned, towards the end of the calendar year. And it picks up here with some uh, world title fights coming early in, in this year in January. Undisputed world title fight with Fury and Usyk coming in late February. So again, be with us here at 1 Eastern time on Fridays on, uh, on BetUS TV. And we are glad that uh, you are back with us, and we'll have live Q&A here in a little bit as the show goes on. So if you're seeing us later in the day, seeing us on Saturday, a lot of people re-watch, or you're only watching a segment of the show live, live on Fridays at 1. Uh, with all of that being said, let's get into the first fight of two that we're going to handicap on this program. We're all about trying to make the Savages a little money to start 2024. Handicap the fights, and let's start with the Golden Boy main event, which is Virgil Ortiz. Uh, making his debut at junior middleweight. Ortiz has primarily been a welterweight, started as a junior welterweight, but primarily been a welterweight contender. 19 knockouts in 19 pro fights, but he's had health issues. He's been sidelined by that. All right, now he's going to fight a veteran in Frederick Lawson, born in Ghana. This is a 12-round fight. Look at the odds. Ortiz is a massive favorite to win, a massive favorite to score the knockout. And over-under, this is rare, Dan Rayfield, in a 12-round fight of seeing an over-under at five and a half rounds. It obviously means the BetUS odds makers in particular are trying to entice you here because we believe it's going to be a knockout. All right, thoughts on Ortiz's return here and some handicapping. Well, first and foremost, I think if you're a boxing fan, you got to be happy to see Virgil Ortiz healthy and getting back in the ring because he is a very exciting fighter, a very talented fighter, a fighter that definitely is in a position where if he keeps doing what he's been doing and stays healthy, he can definitely contend for world titles and be in major fights. I mean, he, uh, as a 140-pounder a few years ago, I picked him as the prospect of the year. He was looking absolutely tremendous. He's gone on a very good run in the welterweight division, has banked some very solid victories. Uh, but as you mentioned in the introduction, he's had health issues. He had a blood disorder, which poor forced him out of a couple of fights that were uh, delayed. And then he's had trouble making the 147-pound limit, so he had issues making the weight, which uh, led to him ending up in the hospital during the week of what was supposed to be his previous fight this past summer, and it was canceled. Uh, that was a fight that was postponed, or ultimately canceled three different times, twice because of Virgil Ortiz's health problems, and once because his opponent, Amanda Stanionis, had an uh, emergency appendectomy. They were supposed to fight for Stanionis's 
secondary WBA welterweight title. And that was a opportunity that just never happened. There was a lot of money on the line for both guys and a fight that a lot of fans were certainly interested in. So Virgil's has not been in the ring since August of 2022. You got to go back to when he fought Michael McKinson. And that fight had been rescheduled from several months earlier uh, because of this blood disorder that he was dealing with. Uh, now it seems like, and I have talked to Virgil uh, earlier this week for an interview that we have on our podcast, and uh, he's in good spirits. A little, definitely, you could sense the frustration in his voice about having not boxed for quite a while. He's very anxious to get back in the ring. He is not going to have a problem, I don't believe, making the weight because now he's making, as you mentioned, his junior middleweight debut. Technically, the junior middleweight limit's 154. This fight with Lawson is contracted, according to Golden Boy, at 156 pounds. Not a big deal there. It's not a title fight, so just what everybody is comfortable with. And Frederick Lawson is also coming up from the welterweight division also. Uh, you mentioned he's from Ghana. He is based out of Chicago. Uh, and he's got you know a, a lot of experience, but he's never been uh, the winner of a, of a significant fight, even though he's got a lot of victories. He's like 30 wins and three losses. Here's the thing, though, TJ. He's been stopped in all three of his losses. And Virgil Ortiz, at least in terms of as a welterweight and a junior welterweight, has been a, one of the most devastating punchers in boxing, 19-0 with 19 knockouts. So he's not fooling around. Uh, I think the wide expectation, understandably, is that if he's healthy, which I believe he is, he's going to get a knockout in this fight. I mean, it's it's sort of Lawson is a guy kind of made to order for him in that sense. Right. Uh, I know how desperately he wants to get back in there and put on a good show. But he's never been a guy to sort of rush things. If you look at his record since he's moved to welterweight, he's not a guy that scored tons and tons of early knockouts, even though he stopped all of his opponents. Uh, Lawson has been stopped, you know, like I said, three times. So I definitely, my, my pick on the fight is 100% uh, a knockout victory for Virgil Ortiz. Now, whether he can get into the second half of the fight as the over-under indicates, you know what? It's Virgil's first fight back. So I wasn't messing around with over-under. I don't know if he's going to try to work a few things out, get a few rounds. You know, right. I'm not saying he's going to going to coast or he's going to carry him, but he may not go all out, you know, to try to get him out of there early just because it has been such a long period of time not being in the ring. Um, a couple another, of people pointed out, if I can interject in the yeah. live chat, and we saw the comments down below, will there be ring rust? And you have to think one sure. fight in two and a half years, there might be some ring rust for the first two or three rounds of this fight. But the intrigue is... Does it bleed into the fifth round, the sixth round, where that over-under line is? Go ahead. Right. So I just decided, you know what, I'm not messing around with that. I can I can see this fight. I mean, if you made me, if, if I had a pick, my official pick is just the knockout. But if you said you have to pick the over-under, I would take the under, to be honest with you. Uh, he is also of note for Virgil in this particular fight after having parted ways uh, with uh, his longtime trainer, Robert Garcia, uh, for for nothing, not not earth shaking reasons. He just felt like he wanted a little more personal time, and Robert was very busy with his very uh, outstanding stable of fighters. So he he parted ways with him, uh, and he's had the medical issues. He's continued to win, but he's decided, and with Robert's uh, you know uh, welcoming him back, they're back together for this fight. So as as Virgil said, you know I've I've been at my best when I've been with Robert, and that was a great stretch that he had there in the welterweight division when he was knocking you know good quality opponents out. So look. This is the start of what you hope is could be a big year uh, for Virgil. A, you know, the start. I look at it like the second chapter of his career. Uh, for Frederick Lawson, it's the opportunity of a lifetime if he can somehow, even if he doesn't win the fight, if Frederick Lawson can hang in there and make it a good fight and compete, you know, he'll he'll earn another payday or another notable fight out of it. Uh, you know, if he gets blown out, uh, you know, that may be a different story. But uh, Virgil Ortiz has aspirations to fight for a title. He's anxious. He wants to do it this year. He's talking about being much more active. 
and uh, you know, I spoke to uh, uh, Golden Boy uh, President Eric Gomez and I asked him about that because Virgil had said to me in our interview he would like to fight definitely three times, and depending on how things go, maybe even four times. And and when I spoke to Eric about that, Eric was like, "Look, if he's healthy, by all means, we're going to get him in the ring three I times. Think. And depending on what the scenario is, you know, maybe we could get him in a fourth time." So everybody seems on the same page. Get through this fight. Take care of your business. You know, hopefully look sharp. And uh, you know, we're we're going going to the moon basically. All right. Then again, it's boxing, and anything can happen when they step through. However, you and I believe this is a knockout. That's what everybody believes. Look at what we have to lay yeah. on the Bet US line for the knockout. Minus seven hundred on the knockout pop as we lock it in for uh, Virgil Ortiz in this main event. So that's rare. So what that means is everybody believes this is going to be a KO. So the bigger question is, you left it alone, when? I think he will get to Lawson. I don't know that it will be in the first couple of rounds, but certainly by the fourth or the fifth round, I can see this being over. So I'm going to go under. I'm going to go ahead and take that under, and I get better value on the under than the KO prop. I'll lay the 135 for the Virgil Ortiz knockout. And again, we don't know uh, for sure because he's had basically one fight in 2022 uh, over the last two and a half years, now bleeding into the beginning of 2024. But we suspect he's in shape at the higher weight. Just one more thing. You saw him on the video hookup earlier in the week. He met with the media Thursday. How does he look to you? I know he's frustrated by all the questions about his health, but in, in seeing him in that video interview that you did that's on our podcast, what, what were your impressions? Just real quick, one more time on Ortiz. Well, I, I have known Virgil since his professional debut, basically. I've interviewed him many times, and he's a good-natured guy, and he's usually got a smile on his face. And even though he was he was smiling and, and his demeanor towards me was fine, you know, like I said, we've got a, a good rapport with each other. But – and I felt like he was, like, wearing his heart on his sleeve a little bit. Like, the, the frustration is definitely there. Not not It wasn't negative towards, you know, myself or some other person. It's just the frustration of the situation because he knows how close he is. And don't underestimate this either. I mean, when he was supposed to fight Stanley Onis, it wasn't just the opportunity to win a title. This is not a man that comes from means. That was a seven-figure payday for him. He did not get paid. He hasn't been paid, you know, in all the time he doesn't fight. That's what people have to remember. He's, you know, if you're Canelo Alvarez or you're, you know, one of the superstar fighters, if you're Anthony Joshua, if you're Tyson, Tyson Fury, Fury. You're making massive, massive amounts of wealth and every time you step into the ring. You know, if you're out of the ring for a year, it's whatever. You can still have a beautiful life financially. If you're Virgil Ortiz and you've, you know, made okay money as a pro boxer, but you're not like swimming in millions uh, and you don't fight for that period of time, that's very frustrating also. So I think it's been the combination of not getting a paycheck and the frustrations of dealing with your situation. So I think he's now finally at the right weight where he should be. He tweeted the other day, I think yesterday or late, late last night that, you know, he was he was already on weight. This is like, you know, in the in the overnight hours he was he on tweeted weight. this morning. He yeah. said at four thirty this morning, Pacific time, I'm already awake and I'm on weight. I'm good. Right. So and it, that's it should be. I mean, if he spent all these years making 40 and 47 and now he's making 56 and he told me in our interview that I asked him, I said, you know, with all the issues you had making the weight when you're not getting ready for a fighter in the gym and your normal Virgil Ortiz and you're hanging out at home or you're going to the store or you're going to the movies or you're just being a regular guy. Like, what do you usually weigh when you walk around? He said about 170. So interesting. To go for, for a boxer to go from 170 to 156, that's actually should be rather easy. All right. It's a different story to all the way to try to go down to 147. That's all, you know, that's a lot more pounds to take off. So he should all be right. in good condition for this fight. 
Gave you a lot on this. Again, Dan and I agree on the knockout. I'll take the under as well. This is the Golden Boy main event from Las Vegas coming on Saturday. One more fight to handicap, then we'll get to some live Q&A from you folks uh, as well. That fight is immediately preceding the main event of Ortiz and Lawson. That's O'Hara Davies of England against Ishmael Barroso. Ishmael Barroso of Venezuela. This is the vacant WBA interim junior welterweight title fight. Barroso, you may recognize the name, fought Roly Romero in a controversial bout early on, first quarter of last year, where Barroso was winning the fight. Romero came on, had, had kind of staggered and backed Barroso up, but hadn't hurt him significantly. They were still fighting and throwing punches, and the fight got stopped. All right, so Barroso now kind of gets a redo for the interim title. Davies from England comes in and is the 5-1 to one favorite on the Bet US line. You see... Very interesting. Barroso is plus 350 on the money line alone, the veteran. Over under is eight and a half rounds. All right, Dan, handicap this. First fight in the United States for Davies. Barroso, again, the last time we saw him in a fight that was winning, he was winning, ended controversially with him getting stopped. What do we make of this co-feature Golden Boy fight Saturday night? Well, first of all, I should explain why the interim title is being made available because it wasn't that long ago, a couple of years ago, where the WBA, which was being massively criticized, finally eliminated all of its interim titles. They basically had an interim champion in every single weight class. It was a preposterous situation. Uh, they got rid of all of them. The reason why this is available is for the reasons why in boxing there should be interim titles available, which is in the event that the champion has got an injury that's going to keep the person sidelined for an extended period of time. So when Roly Romero had the controversial knockout victory, TKO, against Barroso, soon thereafter when he was ordered to make the mandatory against O'Hara Davies, who's been sitting there waiting for his opportunity for quite a while, he uh, submitted a medical report to the WBA. He has a lower back injury, a disc problem, and it was going to keep him out of the ring uh, at a minimum and probably until this coming April, perhaps even a little bit longer. So the WBA made the decision appropriately, in my opinion, to allow an interim title in this case. So Raleigh keeps the title. This way they keep some activity going in the division, that things don't get stacked up. And so now uh, you have uh, Davies, who has been the mandatory challenger, getting the opportunity against Barroso, who you know had a great effort and probably should have been uh, you know treated much better in the fight that he, he lost against uh, Roley. So they're vying for this interim title. And the winner of this fight, uh, when Roley comes back, they'll be mandated to fight each other. So in the meantime, Davies is getting a shot. As you mentioned, first fight in the United States. He has recently signed with Golden Boy Promotions, so they're putting him on this card. Uh, Barroso comes out of the PBC stable, so they're able to make a deal to do the match on, on the Golden Boy card. And look, it's it's sort of the it's the 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 youth, relatively speaking, compared to the older Barroso, who <laughs> he's listed at 40 years old. The joke is, if you look at the pictures, he looks like he's about 60. Uh, doesn't throw a lot of punches, but has good power. But has been stopped, you know, a few times in his in his various losses. Uh, if you take a look at the O'Hara Davies record, you know he has two losses both by knockout, but they're kind of forgivable from the standpoint that if you take a look at who he lost to, I take that back, the, against the two top guys he fought, one was a knockout against Josh Taylor, who went on to become the undisputed junior welterweight right. champion. That's certainly a forgivable loss. He's been one of the best in the division for a long time. And the other one was a decision against Jack Catterall, who was another longtime contender who has a loss, hugely controversial, against Catterall in an undisputed uh, championship fight. So the losses on the O'Hara Davies 
uh, ledger are, you know, certainly forgivable. And it wasn't like he got destroyed and blown out in those and fights. And we should point out, since the Catterall defeat, he's won seven fights in a row over Correct. the last, what, four or five years. He hasn't been very active. He's a 31-year-old, but he had one fight last year in March. He had one fight in 2022 in June. And again, none of them in the United States. So handicap away, what do you think happens here? Well, like I said, he, he's got decent power, and Barroso's got pretty good power. But I think Davies uh, has a better chin, even though Barroso's got good power. He has been stopped uh, three times in the four losses. Now, granted, the, the one of those we talked about was the highly controversial one against Rolly Romero. So when, you, when you, it really comes down to it, I think about uh, how excited uh, Davies is for the fight. I mean, just as a, as a brief uh, aside, when I was talking to the Golden Boy president, Eric Gomez, on the telephone uh, yesterday about a couple of things, not even related specifically to this event. Uh, he happened to be in proximity to O'Hara Davis. He says, you want to say hello to O'Hara? And he put him on the phone with me. I'd never spoken to him before, but I certainly know him. I've been watching him. He knows who I was. So we had a nice little conversation. He said to me, I'm coming to take over your country. And then uh, oh. I wish him O'Hara Davies is invading is what we're hearing. He's invading I, the United I States. I said yes. to Eric, I said, how's he taking over the United States as opponents from Venezuela? <laughs> you know, and that's a good line. Well played <laughs> there on that. So, uh, but they, the, the, really, the Beatles took over. The Beatle invasion was the first invasion. Are we saying that O'Hara Davies is a Beatle? I don't think so. I, don't know. I just know that well, he's you were very, on the phone with him yesterday. And so did you like uh, ask for any uh, quick handicapping advice? Hey, you're going to take him out quickly. You didn't no, go. You didn't go there. No, I didn't go there. I just know All that right. he's very pumped up to be uh, have a promoter that wants him to be fighting in the United States for the first time to be making a good payday, to be getting an opportunity to fight for a title. Uh, and just he's just very excited about everything. Like the, I watched the press conference. The body language was good. The way he sounded to me was good. Like he had a spring in his step. And that's not to say, by the way, that Barroso doesn't. He's a more stoic guy. But uh, it's hard at that age and the, and the lack of activity in the, in, the, in the ring. When he fought Romero, Romero never is a busy fighter. He does not throw a lot of punches at all. Right. So it didn't really shock me once, I mean, maybe it did ultimately the result, the way that he had sort of dominated. But when the fight started, you saw how little he was throwing. As it were on, you weren't surprised that Barroso was sort of taking control. I think it's going to be a different story against Davies. And so my pick to handicap the fight was I picked Davies by a knockout. The over-under is eight and a half. I think Barroso hangs in there, but I think it ultimately ends in a knockout. So I took O'Hara uh, Davies by the KO, but I took the over. Okay, so interesting that in terms of KO production for Davies, he does have knockouts in his last two fights, the one we mentioned, one fight in 2023, one fight in 2022. Overall, 18 KOs in 25 fights. What's the level of competition? I'm with you on the knockout. I don't have a feel on when it comes. He might get to Barroso quickly. I don't know. Again, the over-under set at 8.5, so let's lock it in. We both like the knockout. Again, well, decent... I want to interject one thing. The one one thing I that I thought about is that Barroso, the, though uh, the uh, the over under prop as well. Well, when Barroso has been stopped, he's gone deep into the fights. He's never been stopped before the seventh round. Right. So, you know, he can take a shot from the standpoint of at least going into the second half of a fight. And I don't view uh, O'Hara as like a devastating kind of puncher. You know, he can break you down uh, and do his thing. So again, we always talk about like what's the most logical conclusion. And it seemed to me that, you know, there was a good likelihood that Davies would win by a knockout. And if he did do that, I mean, look, you can always catch a guy cold in the first couple of rounds and just nail him. And that can happen in any fight we could ever talk about. But if you if you analyze it, it feels like this would go deeper into the fight before there would be a knockout taking place. 
All right, so therefore, Dan is going over the eight and a half rounds in addition to the knockout, and that play uh, that plays in here, pretty good value on the over uh, as well. So we both have Davies by the KO. Dan get, uh, lays 110 uh, for the over if it does hit. He's uh, doubling it up here on the co-feature fight for Golden Boy coming up on Saturday night. And again, for Davies, it's a real opportunity in front of the American audience that if he's impressive, it sets up a larger payday uh, coming up in a title fight for him if he is able to get that. All right, there you go. Some good handicapping on the two Golden Boy Show fights. That's the most prominent fight card that's going on to kick off the new year. With that, let's get into some Q&A here on the program. Live questions and answers. You never know everywhere that this is going, whether it's in or out of the ring. Dan uh, Dan loves the live questions, and I see the live audience has grown here in the last 10 or 15 minutes of the show. Fire in the live questions. By the way, help us out. Hit the like button down below. Make sure you are subscribed as well. We always appreciate the fans being here, the fight fans being here on Friday. I am PK13 says, what do you make of the Jarrell Miller arrest, arrested for stealing back his repossessed car, his truck? This was from my neck of the woods, Dan, down in South Florida, Hollywood, Florida on Tuesday. We went over this in some detail on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. There's another reference to that that essentially the truck had been repossessed. Miller went with a female who helped uh, lure an employee out with the keys, and then Miller attacks the guy, puts him in a chokehold, according to witness accounts, slammed him down on the ground, takes off in his truck, which had been repossessed for, non, for non-payment, and the authorities find him about 15 or 20 minutes later because they're all master criminals, Dan Rayfield. I'm, I'm reading James's comment there. That's very funny. But, uh, yeah, that's true, James, uh, on that. uh, Whatever. The question was, what do you make of it? What do you mean, what do I make of it? I make it he's an idiot if it happened. Yes, and and the authorities found him 15 minutes later because there was a tracker on the truck, a homing device on the truck to find him. Before, like literally probably a half an hour before we got on to start this show today is uh, somebody that I know for many years in the Gerald Miller camp actually texted me and said that he's now made bail and he's out of jail and on his way home, and he'll obviously have to make a court appearance later. But he had been in in the can ever since he was arrested, but he's Broward County, North, North of uh, Miami. And uh, again, these are two serious felonies. He's charged with carjacking without a weapon and he's charged with burglary assault. Those are felonies. So uh, I again say what I said on the podcast. I think I'm done. I mean, this guy's had PED suspensions. He looked out of shape and awful in the day of reckoning day of reckoning pay-per-view. And now he's arrested. And we're still talking about him. And James is glad that he got arrested because he lost money on Big Baby Miller on uh, on that pick. All right, uh, what else do we have? Questions, fire them in. JV watching. Thank you for watching, JV. says, hey, Dan, I know the fight is next weekend, but do you think Callum Smith has a chance against Better BF? This is, this is the light heavyweight unified title fight. Better BF, the Russian, is now a Canadian citizen as well. The fight is in Quebec, Canada, in the dead of winter. Callum Smith, a former world champion at 168, will handicap it more, but give him a little taste here. What do you think of Callum Smith's chances? I think he definitely has a chance in the fight. Callum Smith's a very good fighter. He's been a champion. He's been in with uh, lots of good fighters through the years. His only loss was a decision in a, in a super middleweight title fight against Canelo Alvarez when Canelo was at the peak of his powers and everybody you know, had him uh, sort of close or about to be and then became number one pound for pound when he went on that great stretch and became the undisputed champion in the super middleweight division. And uh, Better Biev uh, has not the most active fighter in the world, a great puncher, all of his, you know, only champion in boxing with all of his victories coming by knockout. 
Uh, he is fighting in front of a home crowd, but again, you know, he's getting a little long in the tooth, and he's shown some vulnerabilities, even though he continues to win. So the question is, does he have a chance? Absolutely, he has a chance. This is not by any means the kind of fight where you'd look at it and say it's a massive blowout one way or the other. Both these guys have uh, good attributes, and it's winnable for both fighters. I mean, obviously, better be is going to be the favorite. I haven't seen the line particularly uh, at the moment, but for sure, Callum Smith's a good quality pro with a chance to win this title. Again, we'll handicap it more next week on BetUS TV. That is the unified light heavyweight title fight next Saturday night from Canada. Looking forward to that championship fight. Francisco watching weighs in. Oh, this is a good one. Dan says, besides Oscar, meaning De La Hoya, and Shane, meaning Sugar Shane Mosley, who's the best male fighter to come out of L.A.? So Francisco wants to know, besides Oscar and Shane, who do you have on your L.A. list, all-time fighters out of the Los Angeles or Southern California area? What well, I'm not say? sure if Shane and Oscar are the best of all time coming out of, of L.A. I'm sure if we went back, you know, it's off the top of my head, I can't think of one, but I guarantee you there's fighters from the older days also that come from the L.A. area. But if you want to talk about the more modern times, I mean, there's there's a tremendous amount of fighters that have uh, mostly of the of, you know, Mexican background. Maybe they didn't weren't born in L.A., but they certainly grew up and made their bones in L.A. But, you know, Oscar and Shane are both Hall of Famers. They both won world titles in, in you know, multiple weight classes. They both fought, you know, all the best guys of their time. And, uh, you know, Oscar, not only the, as a professional, but also as an Olympic gold medalist. I mean, you know, nothing, nobody specifically jumps to my mind. It doesn't mean there aren't some, but certainly those are two of the best without question. Julio has a question. He says, will Ramirez be announced tonight as signed for Golden Boy? I think he means tomorrow night on the broadcast. Right. Who will he fight first, and will it be a tune-up? What Ramirez is he, ta is he talking he, about? I defer to you. Yeah, he's talking about Jose Ramirez, who has been uh, okay. had be, been with top rank, who had the ability in his agreement, had still a little time left, but they worked it out where uh, because they were having some issues that, you know what, go and shop around. Uh, if you get an offer from some other promoter, you know, we have the right to match it, which is what happened. So we went to Golden Boy and whoever else he spoke to, Golden Boy extended an offer to him. And then they had to do their obligation, which was to take that offer back to Top Rank. Top Rank didn't immediately say uh, they would match or not match. What they did was offer him a counter to that offer, which was a $2 million plus deal to fight Tiafimo Lopez for the junior welterweight title uh, on the February 8th date that was just announced yesterday where uh, Lopez will fight Jermaine Ortiz. And the reason is because Jose Ramirez said no to that deal. And then top rank said, okay, we're not going to match the offer from Golden Boy. And so the Golden Boy offer is there. And again, I don't, it, it may get done in time to be announced on, on Saturday. I tend to doubt it because I don't think they have an opponent specifically lined up for him. And I also know from speaking to them, uh, from the Golden Boy side anyway, that while the offer is good and they're going to do the deal, there's, you know, like in any contract, there's a few things they need to make sure or everybody's good with in terms of just the language and, you know, got to get the I's uh, dotted and the T's crossed. So it's Can we soon. back up a half sec? We did this on the podcast. Jose Ramirez turned down a significant payday to fight Teofimo Lopez. You want me to say it? You want me to say it? What are we doing here? Yeah. He turned down another payday to fight Regis Progre Back over a year ago at 140 for the world title, we're turning down significant paydays for what reason? I don't understand this. He turned down a rematch with Jose Zapata, which would have been a title fight also. Look, he, he it's his career. 
you know, he's going to do what he's got to do. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not mad at him about it. It's just, okay, that's your choice. You're going to take some criticism for it. And life goes on. Teofimo Lopez is going to defend against Jermaine Ortiz, who was, you know, ready, willing, and anxious to have that fight when offered to him. And on Jose, I'm sure they didn't just go and sign or, or agree to an agreement with Golden Boy without any thoughts about what was coming in the future. Remember, Golden Boy's got a lot of action at 140 pounds. They may not have Teofimo Lopez, uh, but they have Ryan Garcia, and they'll have O'Hara Davies if he wins his interim belt. And, and my point is only right. they have there's things that they can do. Maybe not at the same level as as the big world championship fights, but that's a decision that their team has to make. So that's what's going on. Interesting. I did a quick little look. Other LA fighters, James J. Jeffries, the long ago, long ago heavyweight champ, Los Angeles. The Latin Snake, Sergio Mora, former world champion. You now see him on the commentary of Los Angeles. Henry Tillman. U.S. Olympian who famously beat Mike Tyson in the U.S. boxing trials, won the gold medal, didn't have a great pro career. Tyson later knocked him out in one round. Henry Tillman, Los Angeles. Uh, what else did I see also from L.A.? Bobby Chacon. Bobby Chacon from the early 80s. Uh, what was it? Bazooka Lamone. Oh, yeah. Bobby Chacon. Go watch those fights in the early 80s if somebody's got it on YouTube. Well, all Absolute the guys brawls at the smaller weights. All the guys yes. you're mentioning, I would still rank Oscar and Shane at the top. Yeah, probably. Probably, but I'm just putting it out there. James J. Jeffries, right, had the heavyweight title back in the you know 100 years ago, right. back in the day, uh, from Los Angeles. I did not know that. I learned that today on the Bet US Boxing Show. Boxing God, interesting question. Says if not Errol Spence, who do you think Crawford fights next? Do we know any more about progress on the rematch from last July? And if it's not going to be Spence, give me an educated guess, Dan Rayfield. Well, the, the, what we do know is that because the, the the sides have said so, is that Errol has exercised his right to the rematch. Uh, but supposedly the right to the rematch is one thing that you can say I want it, but then supposedly the option for what the weight class will be was up to Crawford, whether it would be at 147 pounds or 154 pounds. 147 seems untenable for Spence. I, I very much don't believe he's ever going to make that weight again. And so it, it ultimately may not happen if Crawford insists on that being the weight class. If they do it at 154, okay. Um, I think right now we're in limbo with a lot of things, and or at least in terms of what we know publicly. And the PBC stuff is uh, sort of very is kept very well to the you know to the vest. They don't really give you like any breadcrumbs really, and they're they're in the process of getting all their stuff together because more so than just Errol Spence Crawford and the obligation there is their entire. Uh, stable. They're about to enter into a new agreement with uh, Amazon Prime Video, which is going to begin showing their fight starting in March. There, they were with Showtime for the past several years. So obviously, Showtime ended its involvement in boxing a couple of weeks ago. So everything is sort of a let's call it a fluid situation. They may know the answer, but they haven't really given a lot of public indications. I, if it doesn't happen, the question was if he doesn't fight Errol in the rematch, who does he fight? I, I think there's a very good, strong likelihood that he might go to 154 and try to tango with Charlo, who's got, you know, belts there, uh, although he's about to be relieved of the WBA belt or vacated because of uh, pressures from the organization and another fight that's waiting in the wings to fill that vacancy. Um, I'm pretty sure, though, that Crawford's going to want, a you know, the biggest fight possible. He's not going to be looking to fight, you know, some random mandatory. On the Rayfield scale, which I love the 1 to 10, the if he doesn't fight Errol Spence, the scale of one to ten that he fights anybody else as undisputed welterweight champion, do you think he would defend at one forty-seven in a significant fight against anybody else? Where does that rank on the scale? Is it a well, two? Ranks Is it a five? No, it's a zero because he's no longer the undisputed champion. Because so the he gave idea- it all up. He's only fighting at one fifty-four. No, 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 TJ, listen to me. 
he's already been relieved of the IBF title because of the Boots Ennis situation. So right. whatever happens in terms of where he fights, it won't be for four belts. It might be for three, it might be for two, whatever, but it will not be undisputed. So that was an easy question. Let me go back and re-ask my question like we're under the law. If he's the unified welterweight champion, which he is, yes. on the Rayfield scale of him defending as a welterweight, is that a two? Is that a five? What is that? I'd say maybe like it's a... It could be like a six or a seven, depending on when who they really? can bring him. It's possible. It's not out of the realm if of he's fighting Jerron Ennis, sign me up. Sign but me up if that's the fight. But. He's already made uh, noise on his social media that that's not a fight that interests him. Now, I don't, and look, anybody that suggests that Terrence Crawford is ducking or avoiding is just off the rocker because this is a fighter who is still a great, who is number one pound for pound, who's never looked to run from anybody. Uh, it's just that Ennis... And this is Ennis's problem, not Crawford's problem. Ennis is a tremendous young talent himself, but he just does not have the notoriety and the fan base and the money-making ability. You know, if you're going to do huge fights most of the time, unless you're Mike Tyson or Oscar Deloy or the biggest, biggest stars in the world. Canelo. Yeah, you need a dance partner. And and, right. and John Ennis is not to the point yet uh, commercially where he is that dance partner. Talent-wise, absolutely. But commercially, no. And remember, boxing is a sport, but it is first and foremost a business. Uh, Julio has another quick uh, question. It says, hey, Dan, who are the top five guys you have under 25? No particular order. No Julio wants to know top five under, 25, <laughs> under 25 year olds. Go ahead. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to get killed if I miss a guy, but I would put like a Bam Rodriguez in that category. You know, I think he's, he's around that age. Um, who else is under 25? I mean, there's there's lots of good talent. I mean, uh, Devin Haney, I think, it fits in that in right. that category. Certainly, he's uh, one of the top fighters in boxing. You know, I'm just thinking on like on the top on the pound for pound list. You got any? Trying to think and help you on um, anybody else in the smaller weights that's under 25 years of age. But yeah, that's it's an interesting uh, distinction on the up and coming guys. Is Jarrell? Uh, I'm sorry, is Jared Anderson the heavyweight? Would he be on the under 25 he's, list? He's Would Sean Davis be on that list as well, he, under 25? These guys are under 25, yes, and they're obviously excellent up-and-coming fighters. Are they the best in the entire sport under 25? I'm not sure about <clears> that. <throat> I'd have to look and see who the established more established world champions. I mean, this is the kind of thing where if I had time to sort of like think about it and hash mm -hmm. it out, I would be able to come up with a list. But to get sprung like this in the middle of the show uh, – you know, but you're hard pressed to find a better one than Bam Rodriguez with all the world title wins. Well, I think if Devin, Haney, if Devin Haney is, at the end of last year, check Devin Haney's age. If Devin Haney is 25 or younger, I would say he's the guy right now. Right. Steve watching and says, any thoughts on the gambling probe from the undercard fight on the Jake Paul card? This was in Orlando back in December. This was uh, the question. If I if if I am remembering correctly was there was a lot of money that came in on a specific round group for the knockout. And then the knockout happened within that round group. And we know count? anything more other than what I just shared there about the probe going on in Florida. I don't, I, this is actually the first I've heard of that. So I have nothing to, to add to the conversation. And to Steve's point, it's apparently not a growing issue. It's not a big enough issue. So there was, and maybe they, and it's maybe one of those, they looked into it and there's nothing. You to said it. it was a group of rounds on an undercard. What, what do you know what fight they're talking about? So there was an undercard fight. I don't even know the fighters. The group of rounds was like between six and nine. There was a chunk of money that came in last minute suddenly on this fighter A to score a knockout between six and nine, and that's when the knockout happened. So, you know, again, maybe they looked at it and said, hey, there's nothing to it, and we've moved on. From the yeah, I don't, I don't know what Steve's talking about, so next there question. We go. 
Luis is next. He says, thoughts on Arnold Barboza Jr. and his fight tomorrow. I've never seen him fight as any good. You've been ringside, actually, with Barboza's sure. fights in the past. Go ahead. Well, Barboza's a good quality 140-pound contender. He had been for the last several years with top rank. They had brought him along. Uh, he's in a similar situation as Jose Ramirez. They share the same manager. He was in a scenario where he was being offered fights by top rank at a certain price point against a certain level of opposition. They had a disagreement over uh, whether he should be like a main event level fighter, what he should be paid. And so uh, he had the opportunity also to go out and shop his wares. And Golden Boy made him an offer. And top rank had the right to match. And they declined to match the offer. So he signed with Golden Boy. And he will make his debut on that contract as part of the televised or the streamed undercard of the uh, fight on Saturday where Virgil's the main event. And... Uh, and if he wins, you know, he's a guy also that will fit in the picture as a possible Ramirez opponent, as a possible Ryan Garcia opponent, as a possible O'Hara Davies opponent if he wins. Point is, Golden Boy is sort of stockpiling, you know, quality guys at 140 pounds. So they'll have, they have Barboza. They're about to sign Ramirez. They've got Ryan Garcia. They have O'Hara Davies. And there's some other guys coming up. So, you know, expect to see them mix and match at some point. Um, what specifically they do, I think the biggest fight for Barboza would be if Jose Ramirez comes to, you know, they finalize 100% the contract. Uh, you know, it's not always easiest to make those kind of fights when you have a manager that doesn't have a big stable and it's just those are like his two main guys and they're going to, he's going to match them together. You know, you have to make sure you treat everybody fairly and, you know, be, uh, can't really play favorites and that sort of stuff. But I think that's probably a fight that we might see. They're both Southern California guys. Well, I shouldn't say yep. that. Arnold is from Southern California, and uh, Ramirez is from the Central Valley in the Fresno area. So uh, it, it could, that could that would be a fight that would probably in that in that region would draw very well. And uh, on paper, it's a good fight. And uh, you know, I don't know if I make one guy a huge favorite or not. Barboza's been just dying to get a fight with a you know a good quality name. You know, he hasn't had that opportunity yet. But if I'm making my top 10 140 pounder rankings, uh, Arnold Barboza is definitely uh, you know in that in that group. All right, one more sign collectibles. One, thank you for watching. Says, what do you think Canelo's plans are for 2024? You have mentioned not only on our podcast, but on this show, he is slated to fight Cinco de Mayo, but you are iffy in May if that's David Benavides or not. Elaborate real quick. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, uh, Canelo's plan, and these can always change, but his plan is uh, as it's been uh, since he stepped out of the ring against Charlo uh, in his last fight. Fight in, uh, fight in May on the Cinco de Mayo Mexican holiday, and then come back and fight a second time next year on the Mexican Independence Day holiday, which is in September. And the question is, which are the opponents that he's going to opt for? Benavides, of course, is the most attractive fighter out there for him to fight. They're both with PBC presently. That's a great matchup. I think fans would love that fight. Super exciting to me. Uh, it's the biggest fight that he could have in terms of in that weight class, without question in my mind. Uh, very exciting fighter. You got, you know, the Mexican star against the Mexican-American, you know, rising star who's, uh, you know, been his last couple of fights on pay-per-view. You know, it just, it's a it's an all-action fight and it means something. And and Benavides is in a situation where he's earned the opportunity. You know, I I say if uh, if Canelo is the undisputed super middleweight champion, then, then, uh, then he is the undisputed, you know, number one challenger, the, the people's mandatory, if you will. So, uh, but the problem is I don't really think that's going to be the fight that happens next. Do I think Canelo will ultimately fight him? I do think so. Cause he, if you look at his track record, he's always fought eventually the guys, but the, the deal is here. He's got two fights left on the agreement with PBC and in the way boxing business typically works is that the last fight of that deal is when you get the biggest fight. So I think he'll fight somebody else come May who that is. I couldn't tell you for sure. You know, it might be Charlo, the other Charlo, unfortunately, which was not a fight that would really thrill me, but that is a possibility. 
maybe they'll find something else. And then eventually, you know, I think the end of that contract, we'll see him fight David. Yeah, the Benavides fight again. Sign, I'm, I'm big on the sign me up. Sign me up if we get Absolutely. that one, but we'll see if we get it or not for Cinco de Mayo. All right, one thing we do know is that we have a couple of fights that we've handicapped on this show if you've joined us late. Here's what we are officially on for the Golden Boy main event, headlined by Virgil Ortiz fighting veteran Frederick Lawson. Dan and I both agree on the Ortiz KO. Dan did not fiddle with the over-under, which is five and a half rounds. I'll go with the under five and a half rounds and lay the 135. Again, Ortiz is a massive favorite. He's 19-0 with 19 knockouts, but he's only had one fight in the last two and a half years. What does this look like for him? That's the main event. In the co-feature, England's O'Hara Davies fighting veteran Venezuelan Ismail Barroso. We both like Davies by the knockout. You'll take it as a later round knockout. I'm not messing over under in the co-feature fight. I just think Davies gets the knockout at some point on Saturday. With that, we come to the end of the first show of the calendar year. Did I leave anything out, Mighty One? Anything else that you want to share here on the program? I think we're good. We covered good. it. We're going to get, and listen, this is just to start. Let's not overdo it for the first week. We got plenty coming up, as you mentioned. We got some good fights uh, pretty Pace much ourselves. February and March. It's all good. We are going to have a blast on this show on Fridays at 1. Try to make you a little money as well with the handicapping. Dan, have a great weekend. Uh, we remind everybody, check out your interview with Virgil Ortiz on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. Let's do this again next Friday at 1. We're talking light heavyweight world title unification bout. Better be Evan Callum Smith next week on the show. That's next week. Let's see well, what happens with the fights this weekend. He's defending the unified title. Yeah, he's, he's defending he his unified better. titles. Three belts on the line next week. But. Because if Better BF is the winner, then we're going to probably see the unification with Bivol later in the year. The undisputed fight. The undisputed uh, world title fight. All right, we'll get into that for next week. For this week, let's see what Virgil Ortiz looks like. We hope you enjoyed the program. My thanks to Alejandro, everybody behind the scenes at BetUS TV. Everybody have a great weekend. And thank you for watching the BetUS TV Boxing Show.